different things in the book of Acts. It's going to be a good study. We started praying about what it is that we should do in Bible study. And, and this book kind of come to us because of its, uh, its exceptionally uh, instrumental, get the right word, for the church. And I believe today that we're living in an age where the church is under attack. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the church is going to have some... The American church is going to have some very specific challenges. Now, when we think of the word church, often what we do is... Well, let's see. Let's see if I have this more. Okay. Um, in Ephesians writing, y'all have to turn there. Ephesians writing in the fifth chapter, the 22nd verse, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So when it says church right there, what church is it talking about? Come on, y'all got to talk to me. What? Us? What do you mean us? All Christians. All Christians? We are the, the church. The, the full body, right? A lot of times when we read that, Christ is head of the church. You're talking about everybody. You know what I mean? If you're safe, there are Christians in, in France that I had never met before. Yeah, well, we don't think about that a lot of times. They'll be speaking, I guess, the same language that we're speaking, I hope. Speaking they may know how to speak all languages. Who knows, right? They'd be speaking with the Bible. But do you realize sometimes we let that language kind of take the meaning away from what it means to have a local church? If you actually read the scriptures where the word church appears, most of the time it's talking about a specific group of believers. For example, the church at Ephesus, right? That's a specific group of believers. Now, I'm bringing this point to you because today we need to prepare the church. No, right, but you put kingdom in there and fight the church. Kingdom, okay. You could. You could use the you could use the phrase like right when we talk about Christ kingdom. Right? And then what does that mean for us? Specifically, what does that mean for us? Alright, so so I want y'all to understand what I'm trying to trying to get you to see is we're going to study the book of Acts so that we can see the establishment and the beginning of the church, right? And then what does that mean for us? Alright, so a couple of things we want to do. We want to do some kind of introductory points. So let's start with the name. Acts. A-C-T-S. Alright, so when you think of Acts, what do you think of? Events, things that happen. Things that happen, right? An act is something that happened. If you think about acts in a play, right, you might have act one, right, beginning stuff happens. Act two, 
Maybe the rest of the story is told. Right? And so when we see the word acts in the Bible, think of it this way, in that it talks about <laughs> specific actions right. that were taken. By who? Alright, so who were these acts taken by? Here <laughs> often the acts of the apostles. Sometimes they even put that in the name. Acts of the apostles. There are two in particular that the book of Acts focuses on. There are two that Acts focuses on. Anybody know who the two are that Acts focuses on? The two people. The two people. Paul. Paul. Peter. And Peter. That's the main two. It's not the only two. There are other people who come in and out through the sword. Right? So we're going to read the beginning foundations of the church and its growth and spread. This is not just because a man decided to do it this way. Now, I want to be very clear. We're going to get that tonight. It's not just because man said, here's how we're going to grow a church. In fact, you can buy books about how to build a church, grow a church right now. Mm -hmm. I heard this This is old, This is, and I, and I mentioned it to, uh, to Mason. I heard a preacher say, if you want to draw crowds, you can draw a crowd. And if you really want to draw a crowd... You can draw a crowd. He was from uh, central southern Florida uh, where he pastored this man in. And he said, where I'm from, they love, this is this is several years old, they love quartet singing. They love quartet singing. If I want to draw a crowd, I, I at that time, book the cathedrals and a crowd show up, right? He also said that, uh, that at that time, what they really liked a whole lot was wrestling on television. And if you could get The Undertaker to come or some of those, John Cena or some of those, you could draw a crowd. Are y'all with me? So he said at his church, what he was going to do is he was going to book two quartets and let them wrestle and see what happened, right? So you can you can draw a crowd. You can make your own. Listen, right now, you want to go out there and make your own church. You can make your own church. If you want to, you could. Right? Yep. Understand that what happens in the book of Acts is 100% God. I want you to understand what happens in the book of Acts is 100% God. And you can see him. This is his plan. This is his script. And that's why I wanted us to go back and read it. Because if that was his script for the early church, then what is his script for our church? Are y'all with me? So I think this is going to be good for us. I think it's going to be good reading for us. I think you're going to get stuff out of it. So now we know the Acts is talking about the Acts of the Apostles, particularly Peter and Paul. Peter in the first chapters, Paul in the later chapters, that we'll study. We'll look at the things that they did. And we'll understand their actions and how it grew God's church. Okay? Everybody with me so far? Mm -hmm. Alright. Next piece is, who wrote it? Who wrote it? Luke. Luke is who we presume. I'm going to explain why in just a moment. It doesn't say, okay, first of all, it doesn't say in the Bible. The, the presumption or the uh, assertion, I think, is, is pretty straight on that it's Luke. Um, there's a writing style. There's some particular pieces that come in. The biggest connection, I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show it to you right out of the Word of God. The biggest connection, I'm going to show it to you, and I'll do that in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to talk a little bit about Luke 
Luke, we believe, or we do know, what was medical background, a physician, or something next to a physician. Right? In the book of Luke, you can see that on the pages. He, he, he leans towards medical things sometimes. He goes into different details than others do. It's, it's a misconception that people have because he wrote one of the Gospels that many people think he's a disciple, one of the twelve. And he's not listed as one of the twelve. Right? Which makes an interesting part of the story right here. Because he wrote the book of Luke, which follows the life of Christ, but he was not a disciple. He, matter of fact, most likely uh, was a Gentile, mm-hmm. possibly Greek. Mm-hmm. So his perspective on Christ is the perspective of a non-Jew. It's a perspective from an outsider's mm-hmm. opinion, looking in. <laughs> And it's really good to go back and read Luke and understand he's looking at it from the perspective of somebody who was lost, who had had no hope. And so if you read Luke's account, you'll begin to see his heart. What you're going to find, though, is Luke has always been in the mix. How did he write the book of Luke if he does not have a first-hand account? That's right. He wrote the book of Luke because he had a first-hand account of people who had a first-hand account. You might call that a second-hand account. In other words, the people that were his closest friends were the disciples. Particularly, um, we're going to see where he was hooked up with Paul for a long time. Uh, In the book of Acts, when it starts saying we and us, right? When you start seeing the we and us, you know that that means he's talking about he was there with them when it happened. So how do we know that the book of Acts is written by Luke? Well, besides some of those things, the biggest way to tell is just to start in the book of Luke. Now, that's not far from where you're at, so just stick your hand where you're at in Acts chapter 1 and go to Luke chapter 1. So you just got to back up a couple of, uh, not, not, not far, it's real close. We're going to go back to John and we're going to go to Luke 1. And I'm going to read Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. I'll stop right there. Luke says... I am writing these things down. The reason he wrote the book of Luke, I am writing these things down in order a declaration, in order to declare, to tell people about what has happened with Jesus Christ. That's right. That's what he's saying. I I have set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. He's saying that not only did he write it, he wanted it to be written in order. Remember, he's a doctor, right? Yep. And so he wants it to be, I want you to know this is exactly what happened in the order that it happened. And so order is important to Luke. He said, verse 2, even as they delivered them unto us, that tells you he was writing down what other people saw. 
He's literally just taking the notes of their things, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. So he took the account right out of their mouth and wrote it down. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mayest know the certainty, the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And so he says, I'm writing this letter to make sure that it's in order, and he writes it to somebody, Theophilus. Right? Turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treatise have I made. A treatise is what? Well, it's the book that he wrote that set things in order. The former treatise, Luke, I have already written to you. I wrote that book before. The former treatise have I made. Uh-oh, look. Oh, Theophilus. Same person. This, this person only appears in these places. Nowhere else. Luke, Acts, Luke, Acts, Luke, Acts. So, so people who read the Word say, there's a connection here. And so even though they're not back-to-back -back in your Bible, it is believed that it's the first letter and the second letter of Luke. So he says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So my first letter told you about Jesus, what he did and what he taught. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He said, so, I told you, the whole life of Jesus Christ, I spent that whole letter talking about his birth, talking about the things that he did in this life, talking about his death on the cross, talking about his resurrection. Right? This is what I told you in the book of Luke. That's what he's telling us here in the first uh, few verses. And then in verse 3, he, he throws this in. He says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he says there's this little bit of time period. This is really important right here. Like this is super important scripture to you and I. It's super important because it does something that there's a lot of places in the Bible that don't just carry this weight. And that is eyewitness accounts of a resurrected Jesus. That's a big deal. Yeah. He uses the word infallible proofs. So what would it take to be an infallible proof? Well, infallible means I can't prove it wrong. I can't, it cannot fail. So an infallible proof, we, we all pretty much know everybody's in this room. I, I know all of you that are here. Right? Now, let's say one of you uh, were to die real suddenly. It wasn't the peanut butter cake, because that was awesome. I don't know if anybody 
If it was Spain Bear Cake, a bunch of us are gone. Yeah. And let's say that you died. Right? We buried you, put you in the ground. We saw it. We witnessed it. That'd be a terrible thing. We'd all mourn and we we would go over your body in the casket and we would cry our eyes out and we would know that you were dead. We'd watch them close the casket lid and the pallbearers carry it out to the graveside. We'd watch them wait. Listen, I have seen this so many times as a as a preacher who has to do funerals, right? So many times the cemetery people sometimes like y'all go and eat eat your lunch. And when you come back, we'll have all the flowers on them. And what's the family do? They don't let you do that. They, they, I, I, maybe if it's raining or freezing cold, they wait. You ever wonder why they wait? They won't see the body go in the ground. That's right. Mm-hmm. Are y'all hearing me? That's, that's what they want to see. So in this particular case, Jesus dies on an old rugged cross in front of everybody. They take his body down. They take it and put it in this tomb and they seal it up. He's dead. Right? They know he's dead. So he's telling us, Luke is telling us in the book of Acts, that after he rose again, that he showed himself for 40 days with many infallible proofs. Right. So look, I'm just going to tell you right now, if if one of you show back up Sunday after we buried you in a week, <laughs> I'm going to be concerned. I'm, I'm going to be like, <clears throat> mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I listen, listen. I, I, are y'all with me now? When I talk about infallible proofs, I'm saying they wanted to know yeah. that it's him. You would too. You would too. There's a reason Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it until I stick my fingers in the nails that pierce his hands and into his side where they split him open with a spear. And Jesus proved himself to them. <coughs> Listen, you can stand sure. I wasn't there that day. But I know by his word, he's alive. He walked among me. Amen. Amen. And I know just as much as I know that he's going to come back. Why? Because of the infallible proofs that he gives us. And so I love the fact that it was Luke. A man of detail. A man who pays attention. Now I'm going to tell you something. Nobody knows who Theophilus is. They don't know who he is. Who's Theophilus? He calls him really by a grand title. Mm-hmm. He calls him by a grand title. He, he, he calls him uh, most, excellent. most excellent. That's right. He called him most excellent. In the book of Luke, he calls him most excellent. That's a title of like royalty. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, I'm to stay with me here. I, I'm not sure if there... If, if he was some kind of leader or whatever, I have no idea. But Theophilus, Theophilus, Theo, T-H-E-O, is where we get our word, theocracy, which is a, a, a government based on religion. 
it really means, Theophilus means lover of God. And so I'm not so sure who he's writing that letter to, but I know one fact who he was writing to was the church. Those who love God. That's who he was writing to. He's writing to you. He's writing to you. And that's that's amazing to me. Is to read the word of God and find my name in there. You say, well, Brian's not in there. Brian's not in there. But I sure do love him. Which means that the book is written to help instruct you and me. This book is written for you and me to get something from it. To, to gain from its words. And so I love this book, and I'm glad to be studying it with you. Let's go to verse 4. Now, this is different than studying Revelation. Okay? I'm going to tell you right now, this is different than studying Revelation. Because Revelation talked about things yet to come. The book of Acts, Acts in the past, these things have already happened. Now, there are implications for you, man. I'm saying it for this reason. I want you to understand. If you have something to share, I want you to share it. I've told you that before. If you have something uh, that, that, hey, that just means something to you and you want to jump in there, this book is about the church. And that's you and me. So I want you to get right into it with me. Before we go any step further today, now that we did all the introduction stuff, and before I get in there too deep, I want to pray. Because God has something for you. The book's written to you and to me. God has something for us to get out of. So we're going to pray real quick, and then we're going to jump right into verse 4. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for uh, this holy scripture that you use. I thank you for Luke. Or if it wasn't Luke, whoever it was, Lord, it makes no difference to me. Your man who wrote this book to your people. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray that you help the words come alive. Lord, let us get the understanding that you would have us to have. Lord, let us not put man's wisdom into it, but the Holy Spirit speak directly into our hearts. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I ask you to be with us in this time. In your name I pray. Amen. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, this particular scripture has come somewhat of a stumbling block in the Christian church, Bible-believing Christians. Why do you say that? Because it's made people to think that they must wait to receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm, some of you may have funny, different beliefs, but since we're in a Baptist church and I believe in unity, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't believe that you wait to receive the Holy Ghost. Man. I'm going to tell you what my opinion is of that. I said my opinion. I always try to do that when it's Brian's opinion. My opinion of that is, is that they do get something. They do get the Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Ghost they got at salvation. They just finally got humble with God about it, and He got a hold of them. That's what I think happens. I know some folks that have done it. I have family members who, who believe that way. I don't know how that you're going to get saved without the Holy Ghost. 
Yeah. That's my problem with That's it. Right. How do you get saved without the Holy Ghost? Now, the Bible tells me that in order to be saved, you must first be drawn. Mm-hmm. Well, who's drawing you? The Holy Ghost is drawing you. It is the Spirit of God that acts upon man. So they use the Scripture to think that there is some kind of time lapse, time delay. But if we read the, the, the Gospels, Jesus clearly says, I'll send you a comfort. Jeremy preached it to us. Why didn't the comforter are why wasn't the comforter already there? Because Jesus was there. He says, I'm sending you a comforter because you won't always have me. That's what he told them. But when he went away, then he would send the comforter. So then the question then asked, why didn't the comforter, why wasn't the comforter here before Christ? And that's an interesting thought. One, one, salvation wasn't available to him anyway. So, so listen, man couldn't, man couldn't interact with God that way. I'm, we're we're going to see it happen. I, I'm, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself because there's some good stuff coming. Y'all. It's, like, it's like knowing that the cake's at the end and you want to eat the cake first. I'm trying not to eat it first. But what I am telling you is is that prior to Christ, God did speak to people. Mm -hmm. God spoke to them. He didn't speak to everybody. He chose. Mm -hmm. He chose people that were worthy. Chose people that would follow him. God had a specific way how he spoke to man before. So God spoke to man. Matter of fact, I'll tell us in Genesis that he walked with them in the garden, right? Adam and Eve. God himself walked with man. And then sin come, right? So then God had to work through this prophet, through that man, through this one, through that woman, through this person, right? God had to work with them. Are y'all with me? But sin persisted. And man did not choose to follow God as king. And they could have. They could have. But sin. Right? So then what? Then we have the dark years. And then Christ steps on the side. Then Christ goes up to heaven. The Holy Ghost comes on the scene. So the reason they didn't have the Holy Ghost was because they had Jesus. Mm-hmm. And because they had Jesus right there with them, they didn't need the Holy Ghost telling them what to do. Jesus telling them what to do. And then Jesus left and the Holy Ghost came. So that's how that happened. Alright. So it says that John baptized with water, but they would be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from that point. Verse 6. When they were therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now, what we're talking about is that time period after he's resurrected uh, uh, from the dead, but he's not went back up to heaven yet. That's in that 40-day period. That's what we're talking about right now. And the disciples says, hey, are you, you going to bring your kingdom? Are you going to start your kingdom? Are you, you going to be the king? And, that, the, and the Jews are going to be free? I mean, they're excited. That's what they've been waiting on, right? Because their lives just messed up. And people have been trying to kill the Jews for years and years and years, right? And so they're ready for Christ to set this kingdom. And so that's the question they ask him. And what he does is he sets up the church. Christ's kingdom is coming. But right now, his kingdom lives within us. Lives within us. He'll set it up, and there'll be a, a physical kingdom uh, that, that Christ will rule for eternity. 
But they were ready to get to that point. He said, not yet. Not yet. First, I have to establish this. And we're going to find out why. Why, why, why? The Lord without this time restored again the kingdom to Israel. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, what we just saw is a plan. The church will start in Jerusalem. The church will go to Judea. The church will go to Samaria. The church will go to the world. And the whole book of Acts, the whole thing, is going to have pieces of this and pieces of that in it, but the book of Acts is about this. I'm telling you that right now, up front, day one of this study, to understand that the church here today is not just about these walls. That's right. The church today is not just about these walls. Because, listen, if it was just about you and me, then it would have set up the kingdom then. Mm -hmm. If it was just about those people, he would have said, King, but he said, it's not time. It's not for you to know the day nor the hour nor the time when God's going to do that. But what he will do, now hear me, is this. And that's what we do today. That's why we carry the gospel. But here's the beauty of that. You don't do this on your own. You will receive power from the Holy Ghost so that he can do that through you. All you have to do is be willing. And so that's so he says, unto the uttermost part of the earth. You know, there's a lot of studies right now on uh, are we to the uttermost part of the earth yet? Some interesting facts out there, as a matter of fact. Uh, there was a conference done with the intentionality of the conference was to preach the gospel in places where it had never been preached before. And so they begin to identify these people groups. So they might not even have their own country. They might not even be a, a, a part of a nation. They're untouched people groups. That means they have common customs and speak a common language. And they identify like 220, I don't remember what it is, 220 people groups left in the world that were untouched by the gospel. Untouched by the gospel, they define as having no visible presence of a Christian church, had, having no conversions to Christianity known in the past five years. And so they had 220 of these things. And then what they did was is they come together and all these different churches come together and then they said, which group are you going to take? And a church adopted every single one of those. What I'm telling you is, is that we may be very close to every every group of people in this world having heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which, which is the end of our commission. That's right. That is the end of our commission. What was the great commission? Go ye therefore teaching and preaching what? Jesus Christ where? <coughs> the world. 
be back to the world. And so we may be very close to seeing that happen, which puts us back in the book of Revelation. Verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Hold the hold the thought there. And we love this picture. Oh, this is exciting. Oh, <laughs> I can't imagine, by the way. I, I'd love to go out here and watch Mike just, just straight up in there. That would be awesome. I don't know if you've ever had any dreams about flying. You know, anybody ever dreamed about flying? I have. Ooh, it's weird, man. I'm like, I'm going over the top of the house. There I go. Right? One of these days, that's actually what happened. One of these days, that's actually how I don't know if I live, I don't know how that works with body and all that. None of that makes any difference to me. What a sight they sit there and watch them go up. And sometimes as Christians, we read the book of Acts and we read this particular chapter. We get we get real excited about that and we hang up on that part and we're just like, oh man. Been awesome. Jesus just up into the clouds and there he goes. That's not the important part here. Hey, the fact that Jesus can fly is not surprising to nobody. <laughs> he only had to fly. Could he point warp from here to there? He advanced this vanished right here, vanished right here. That's not. so what is the scripture about? The scripture is about him pointing the church in the right direction. That's what the book of Acts is all about. I'm pointing the church in the right direction. So the important part of this section of the Bible is not that Jesus went up into the clouds. The point is the message that the two angels say. Look at verse 11. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So we know he's coming back. But that's still not what I want you to get on. I'm telling you, we, 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 we think about Jesus coming and going. And they said, why are you standing here? Mm -hmm. The question was, why are you standing gazing? Why? I let you here to do something. Football team holds up the offense. You've got the ball. Y'all stay with me. Coach sends in the play. Here's what we're going to do. Got it, coach. They huddle up. Quarterback says, all right, boys, this is what we're going to do. We count three. Let's go. They line up on the line. Center snaps the ball. That starts to play. He snaps the ball, and they all just stand there. They've received good instruction, and they do nothing with it. Like the church often does. Every Sunday. Yeah. Receives good instruction from the Word. That's nothing with it. And we don't understand why when the devil just wears us out. Mm -hmm. Now, but now let's let's take that take that same illustration for just a moment. 
how much, how much you gonna pay to go watch a game and watch a group of guys stand out there and do nothing? And do nothing. They, they huddle up, let's stand over in this huddle, let's stand over in this huddle. Okay, let's, let's say what we're gonna do today. Hmm. Same lot we huddle in today. I ain't people gonna watch that. How long is God gonna look down at heaven at the church and say, hmm, I thought I sent him to play? How long will you stand and gaze here? Instead of doing what I ask you to do. He's coming back, you gotta stand there. Lord, how do you do that? We sit and debate things that make no difference. Mm -hmm. you know, what's been a hope? You know, let's do a four-week series on Jesus going into the clouds. <laughs> and churches do this all, they do it all the time. And God says, "What are you standing around for?" Did I not make it clear? You will be empowered with the Holy Spirit, and then you will go and change the world. We've had the Holy Spirit since the day of salvation. And what have we done with it? Alright, let's go further. Verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And so they were about a week out. Now, this is important here to understand what's going on. Pentecost is a specifically honored tradition of Jews. Okay? And I can go into the meetings of what Pentecost means and all that stuff. And I'll do that to you today. Might do it next time whatever. But they were there at Pentecost. That's why they went to Jerusalem was to do the festival. They went back to Jerusalem because Pentecost was about to happen. And so it was common for Jews to go into the city of Jerusalem during these great festivals. And so that's what's happening. They're going to this meeting because it's what they do. Don't you know that's probably what happens a lot of times. We come to church because it's what we do. And we're surprised sometimes when the Holy Spirit shows up. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. right? And he told them that it would come in a few days. But that's not why this happened. It's not why they were in the upper room. They were in the upper room because it was the time of Pentecost. Yeah. And so that's what's happening here. It says, They returned unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room. It either was a house that belonged to somebody they knew or they rented out the space. Okay? They, they borrowed the space. So they had this large upper room. And, uh, and so they're up there. And it says, Were both, both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zealots, Zealotes and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now, there's some important things happening right here. One, they're all together. The Bible says in one accord they have one mind. And they're in prayer and supplication. So, if you are seeking the Holy Spirit to show up in your life, and I'm not saying for the first time or you're trying to get 
all spiritual or whatever. What I'm saying is, is if you're seeking God, the way they did it's really good. Mm-hmm. They did it together, and they did it in, in that one mind of we're going to ask God. So, a lot of times churches, when they want to decide direction, they get together and have a business meeting, or they select a committee, or they let the deacons make the choice, or this group make the choice. And a lot of times, the things that we're choosing on in church ain't got anything to do with God's direction. What we ought to do is be asking God and, and, and asking Him and just begging the Lord send us your direction. They were, they were asking God for His direction. Verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. So they counted everybody. And uh, I heard a joke one time. Somebody said it must have been Baptist because Baptists, they know exactly how many is in church. They count it twice, but they can't do it better. I shouldn't say this, but I'll say it. If you get sick and go to the bathroom two or three times, it might count you more than one time. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been to places like that, so it's funny to me. Um, he says there's 120 of us here. There's 120 of us here in this place, and and we need to do God's work. Now look what he says. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was God to them that took Jesus. So they're talking about Judas. Judas, Iscariot, that turned in Jesus, that caused Jesus to be crucified. God knew all those things, by the way. Yeah. By the way, I don't know. It's almost good. Acts is such a good book. Do you, do you realize that... Uh, even Jesus didn't have a perfect church. That's right. As a matter of fact, some people today just hung up on having a big church. Jesus' church was 12 men, some wives, and some ladies, and some guys that fought around. And that was really his church. That was his people. Mm-hmm. Now, he preached to a whole bunch of people. He talked to people fought around. But the people who knew him, who were doing the work, was a really small group. And even in that small group, there was one of them that was a Jew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes we just get all bent out, we get bent out of frame. If somebody in the church does something wrong or doesn't ask us our opinion or makes this decision or that decision, can I tell you right now, this is just a love. Get over it. Yeah. Get over it. Listen, if that's what's going to bother you the rest of your days, oh, get over that. There's, hey, listen, they. There's some strange people in church. <laughs> hey man, there's some strange people in church. Uh, listen, I heard one time, I heard one time a man say, you know what the light does? You know what the light does? The light shines in the darkness and it attracts bugs. Listen, there's some strange things going to happen. Listen, we have to get over that. God loves them. Yeah. Don't let them tear you up, get you bent out of shape or frame. He says there's 120 of us here, and we got to get things straightened back out. we got Judas in the midst of our bunch. They had Judas in the midst of their bunch. He said, but God knew all about that. Did you read what the Word said? It was prophesied that Judas was going to do what he did. Yeah. 
It was prophesied that he was going to be. Can I tell you, it's been prophesied that you're not going to be perfect. And the church is not going to be perfect. That's actually prophesied. The Bible tells us it's going to find them. The church is in need of him. So, but what he did say was, is if we do have an area here where we, where we have an issue, I mean, let's, let's take care of it. Let's do it in the right way. But, but, but Lord help us. Let's get over it. What if they had just sat down and just said over and over again, oh God, I can't let Judas do what he did. I just, I, he makes me so mad. I'm so mad at Judas. He took Jesus away from us. You know some of them felt that way, right? Yeah. My God, I'm the one that told Judas. I'm the one that told Jesus about going and hitting Judas. What guilt and shame is on me and how bad I feel because I'm the one that said, maybe Judas would be a good one to have. Mm-hmm. Oh, did they yeah. not feel that? Oh, you know they did. Oh, you know that whoever that was, the shame that they felt. Hey, what if, what, what if Judas had asked one of them, hey, what are y'all going to pray at? What if it was Peter said, well, we're going to the garden. We always pray at the garden. You know that. And then when he shows up, the reason Peter cut the guy's ear off because he felt guilty because he was the one who told Judas what it did. Can I tell you? What problems that that could have caused them? What turmoil that could have caused them on the inside? You know how hard it would have been to have church knowing that you had Judas in amongst you. And some of you might have could have said or done something about it, but you never did. Oh, that would have been hard to get over. So Peter stands up and he says, Listen, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was God to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. He's trying to, he's helping them, y'all. Mm-hmm. You hear it? It's a leader in a church. He's helping them. Uh, as they sat there in that upper room together, it must have been a topic of conversation. Yeah. Jesus is gone now. Man, I just can't get over this Judas thing. Why in the world did he do that? We might have been setting up the kingdom right now if it hadn't been for him. You know, they had to have all kinds of concerns and doubts. And it says. Uh, it says in verse 18, Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. I want you to know the ugly picture here. Judas hangs himself, right? He got money originally. He got money to tell on Jesus to save false accusations. Afterwards, he regretted taking the money, threw the money back at him. They went and bought a field to bury poor people in it with the money because they didn't want the money on their hands. Judas goes and hangs himself. Stays there until his body rots. He falls and bursts asunder. That's an ugly, ugly depiction. It's pretty gross. I tell you that for this reason. If there is a Judas among us, if there is a Judas among us, God is able Take care of that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Can I say something? Yes, please. You know, the disciples were sitting at the table for the last supper. Jesus told them that they won the trade. Yeah. And they started saying that I, that I, you know, that was God's plan for Jesus to betray him. Yeah, but it's right. not God's plan today. Because that was for a purpose for him to go to the cross. But it's not God's plan today for us to betray. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's I right. That. I appreciate that. That's a great point. It's not in the plans. It's not in the plans. 
what we have. We have people who betray Jesus. Uh, I, there's a can't think the name of the group. It's a contemporary group. I don't listen to their music much, but a Christian singer or whatever who just recently decided he don't believe in God and Christ and he's written about it, put it all out there, and walking away from the faith. That's pretty much Judas. Right? You hang out with the crowd and then you walk away. That's right. It's there. It's there that but God is able. God is able to take care of that. So he burst asunder. Verse 19, and it was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, Aseldama. That is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let this habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take. And so it was also foretold that when he failed to do his duty, somebody else would take the place. And so I, I like that, that God didn't leave them without. Amen. Amen. Uh, that he didn't just say, I'm just going to have to suffer that loss. I'm glad in the church today, and 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 I, I don't want to just keep saying this. I know we, we've talked about it a lot, but when we lose someone that we love and is important to the church, God's not going to leave the church without. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I'm so thankful that he knows what to do with mm -hmm. that. And, and, and I'm thankful here he says let somebody else verse 21 wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all this time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us must one be ordained they got a very specific group of people by the way they don't want somebody coming in at the end that's just excited about what just happened. That's right. They don't want somebody that might be easily shaken. They want somebody that's seen it from the beginning. That's right. And so that's why it's really important when you're selecting people uh, to take these positions that are that are important that you find somebody who knows the whole story. He was taken up uh, from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias, or Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now, this is really interesting to me, especially because what we're going through as a church here. We, we lose Brother Wayland, who we love, our only deacon in the church. And then we number some from us who qualify, and we believe it's worthy of it. And then we begin to pray about it. And Brother Jeremy has announced at the church today, so I am telling him that he had already told that he felt God said no. And I'm thankful, let me just say to Brother Jeremy in front of all of you, for being obedient to be able to say, mm -hmm. God told me no. Because I'm telling you, that's what you want. Mm -hmm. that's, that's casting, listen, that's casting your lots on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I put my faith 
on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we're doing is putting our faith in Jesus to get it right. Because we don't always have the answers. Matter of fact, most times we don't. We mess things up. And I'm thankful that He knows what we need. He knows how to tell us. So you're saying, right, that those men cast lots. That's like rolling the dice. That's like drawing straws. That's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. They had a specific way how they did it. Um, it is believed that their high priests, the Urim and Thummim that they wore upon their uh, vesture, that that was used to divine the will of God. And some people think there are stones that they rolled and some people think that they're little uh, plates. I don't know what they were. They said, is that okay to do just to roll the dice? Well, I'm going to tell you today, the answer is no. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Today, the answer is no. Why? If they had waited, if they had waited just a little bit, they wouldn't have had to cast the lot. That's right. Why? Because the Holy Ghost was coming. That's right. Are y'all with me? Mm-hmm. The Holy Ghost was coming. Who's the Holy Ghost? It is the presence of God. And He can teach you, and He can talk to you, and He can give you things in ways that you don't know how to get Amen. Them. And He can impress upon you. Brother Jeremy didn't have to cast lots. God spoke to him through a song. He said, He spoke to him through a song? Yes, He bore witness within His soul. This is where I want you. I don't know how to explain that. That's the Holy Ghost at work. Mm-hmm. I can tell you how I got, I get stuff, I pray. And God leads me direction and peace. Well, I'm telling you, I love when peace comes along. When mm-hmm. peace comes along, I'm like, Lord, is on the same. Mm-hmm. And if they had waited, the Spirit could have told them what they didn't know. But, but it, that was not the proper time. Mm-hmm. And so they cast lots. I'm telling you this now so that you understand. I'm just going to start... I'm going to start flipping a coin over every decision I make. No, 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 you're, you're leaving your, you're leaving your decision making. You're, what you're really doing is casting decision making off yourself. And you're really uh, putting it in the hands of gravity, wind resistance, and, and just probability. And let me just say, there's no devil like to get right in the middle of your luck. Mm-hmm. Right. And you might say, well, I didn't know he had that kind of power. He, he has ways to deceive the mind. That's right. That's right. And, and so you see where I'm going? So, so be careful with those things. Mm-hmm. Also, don't be quick to judge them for doing it in that day. Because, like I said, they wait a little bit longer. I felt differently about them about it. But at this point in time, they're trying to fulfill the scriptures. And the scriptures say there's one that's going to take his place. And so they did it the way that they were taught to do it. But now you don't have to do that. Because you can talk to the Lord. You have direct access to him. You got the royal telephone on the main line, Levi. That's an inside joke. And Jimmy and Levi can act it out for y'all later on if you ask. Alright, let's go, let's go a little further. So they now have the twelve disciples. 
Real quickly, I'm going to dive into chapter two for just a quick minute. I'm not going to keep you much longer. Four minutes, and I, I'm quitting. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. This is the part that I wanted to jump to, and it's the part I'm going to close on today. Okay. So, when you see fire, okay, when you see fire descend, you need to think presence of God. I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back. We know that Moses, a little baby, put into bulrushes, and the lady gets him out. She brings him back up. He grows up as a son of Pharaoh. And then he begins to see his people, the slaves, all the Jews that were slaves in Egypt, begins to feel bad about it, and in, a, in an anger, mad, just rage, he kills a man. Mm -hmm. He leaves, flees for his life, ends up out here being a shepherd. Mm -hmm. And there he sees a bush on fire. Now, wait a minute. A bush on fire, yet it is not consumed. And he's curious about it. Well, that's an interesting sight. Don't see that every day. And goes to it, and God begins to speak. You know, women? God begins to speak out of the fire. Okay? All right. Fast forward the story. He goes, leads the people out of Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. They go into the wilderness. You know, and they build a tabernacle, a moving tent. And in that tent, they're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant is a picture of the mercy seat of heaven. In other words, where God dwells and rests. That's right. The angels with their wings bow down. If you look at the pictures in Revelation, what you see are beings <coughs> bowing down to an almighty God. It's the picture of the throne. That's the top of the Ark of the Covenant. It's described in great detail. Their wings are forward. How many wings they have? All that stuff is in the Bible. That's not even something we have to guess about. And, and the Bible says that when they got everything done, fire fell, filled the place, and then stood above it as a column. We call them fire. And God himself. In places in the Bible, it talks about the Shekinah glory, the glory of God, the, the He who is, and He who was, and He who will be. And the Bible says that where they would go would be led by a pillar of clouds or a pillar of fire. One. You know what I mean? One. One. Stay with me. This gets good. Then we go through history, and the fire moves. And it's always one. Then the fire disappears from the land. And Jesus comes down. Are you with me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The fire. Jesus comes down. He is God. 
And he lives on earth with man. This is, this is so good, John. He dies and defeats death, hell, and grave. The fire does. The one. He ascends back up into heaven. And says, the comforter's coming. The comforter's not long. Don't wait long because the comforter's coming. And then the Bible says, now listen, the Bible says, we just read, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. Now I want you to get this picture. So it's been one all throughout history now. It's been one. And now, out of heaven comes the fire. But instead of being like this, it separates. And it hovers here. And it hovers here. And it hovers over here. And all them believers, that cloven fire hovered above. Now, where was it hovering before? It was hovering above the temple, just one. And the Bible now says, who's the temple? You're the temple. That's right. We're the temple of God. That's right. And so God's holy fire, his presence, his Holy Spirit, is now pointing direction over him. That's good, brother. Over us. Amen. Over us. That's good. In other words, wherever you go, you're the temple of God. Amen. Which means if you want his answers, before they have to go inside the tabernacle and beseech him and ask God, what do you want us to do? You know what you do now? Get out and pray. Amen. Get out and pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? He's right there. He's right there. The presence of Almighty God fell upon each of them. And they had then, listen, they had then the power to do what he wanted them to do. You know what you have today? You have the power to do what he wants you to do. So, this is the beginning of Acts. We're just another chapter in Acts. Are you with me? We're just another chapter in Acts. There are things you and I are supposed to do for God. There are things that will impact. So, as we study this, I want you to begin to ask yourself, if they were to write a book about me, that others might read and see. What story would they tell? Think about it. What story would they tell? Now I want you to be real clear with me here. We're talking about Christians. That fire's not resting on a wall for them. They're not, they don't have a holy temple that can hold them. Are you with me? It takes a purified, sanctified work of Jesus Christ that God might rest inside of you. Let me say this also. You're not containing him either. Some people worry about what the church may or may not, but he's still God. He's still God. But he'd like to work through us. He desires to work through us. His plan is to work through us. And so as we read this, I really want you to ask those questions. You know, what are my acts? And what will I leave behind in this world? What will I share? What will I encourage? What, 
What will I do that the kingdom of God might go from this to this to this to this? What will I do? Anybody have thought, comment, question? No, I was like, one more thing that very clear something up. It may clear up something else for others here. You know, Jesus was with him when he was sitting preaching before the city. He said, John preached the baptism of repentance. He said, not many days hence. And that Holy Ghost couldn't come because he was still here. But when he left, not many days later on, the Holy Ghost changed upon those people. And I believe that's what that scripture means. It doesn't mean when we go to the altar and be saved the day of salvation, that later on we're going to receive the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is already here. That's what saved us. That's what that's what keeps us. That's what teaches us. That's right. And I believe that's what that scripture means is he said, you know, not many that you know you're you believe now. Yeah. And I but I just go to the Father when he went, not many days hence, after you believe, that Holy Ghost was going to come and it did come in the upper room. Right. And it set on them. And it is not a language that that a lot of people think, a lot of people teach is some kind of language that a special person might 